Welcome to iPhone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 61 of I4O. Um, we have a special episode for you today. I'm joined by none other than Jeff's chair, the man behind the man, um, the throne of all thrones, if you will. Uh, chair, give me a shake if you're up. It's Jeff. Oh, my God. It's me. It's me. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. None other than Jeff, the man in the chair. What's up? I'm the man in front of the chair, and I'm here, and I'm ready to go. That was wonderful. That was a, <laughs> a rousing introduction for yourself. But um, one thing that we need to be the men in the chair for is tech news, and right. we have a jam-packed episode today. Um, Facebook is not doing too well, as a preface. Uh, 23andMe is doing pretty well, and so are MacBooks. Um, but what I was going to say is that I completely forgot what I was going to say. So let's jump straight <laughs> into the episode. Um, our first topic is a recap of something that happened last week. Um, it is that MacBooks have just been the victim of a bug. So we reported on this last week. Um, about the throttling issues of the i the Core i9 MacBook Pros performing worse than the i7 MacBook Pros, and it looks like it's just a simple case of just some really bad runaway processes going on with the MacBook Pro. So, I mean, what do you think of this? It's just, I mean, like this stuff, this kind of stuff happens, but it's good to see that at least it's resolved and people are going to be getting the money, their money's worth from the i9. Yeah, it um, it looks like they've put out a system update um, for mm -hmm. macOS for this and uh, before and after tests that were conducted by people such as those at CNET have shown that there's um, no longer such extreme issues with CPU throttling, um, with the clock frequency and the internal system temperature uh, most notably are, is remaining stable, um, mm -hmm. which is huge. They did, um, Macworld shared some test results from its 4K Adobe Premiere testing which is not the same software we were looking at. Oh, it is the same software we were looking at last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and it's showing that it is going well. Um, and that before the test, the uh, 2018 Core i9 15-inch MacBook Pro that was discussed, discussed was 11% faster than last year's comparable i7 MacBook Pro. And after the patch, it's more like 20% faster. Which so, is more appropriate for adding a few more cores to your right. MacBook Pro. It should yeah. run around what it should be. It's nice when you could see a software update give you 9% boost compared to without it. That is yeah. definitely a nice software update, and I would mm -hmm. recommend that those who are seeing issues with this MacBook apply that update and let us know what you think. Yeah. That being said, I'm sure that running a MacBook cooler in your, in your freezer is probably going to help speeds regardless of right. how <laughs> optimized the operating system is, but... Um, at least it's something that's being reported as better. And like we're seeing these reports from random people on Twitter as well as Reddit. Yeah. And it's the overall reviews of this update seem to be largely positive. Yeah. So it looks like they've resolved their issues. Um, it's still, I still disagree with the need for a thin form factor and an i9 processor, but that's not really, that's neither here nor there. Right. That's just my opinion of that. But, um, it looks like these tests are coming out clean with these, with the updated stuff. And, um, also more importantly, the, uh, YouTuber David Lee, I think it was Dave 2D on YouTube when he was reporting the issues, he was the one who was putting it in the freezer. And I, I hope that's the right person that I know that is haven't. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was saying that, uh, he uploaded a new video and says that the supplemental, um, High Sierra update has successfully fixed the throttling issues that he saw prior to the patch. So there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of uh, content creators and people in the tech space who were weighing in on the MacBook issue where some of them weren't seeing it, some of them were, depending on what their environment that they work in is like, particularly the Adobe Premiere users having a lot of problems with Mac. But then again, Mac 
it doesn't play well with Adobe Premiere regardless. So yeah, um, this comes back to a point I've made in the past too, where I think that these manufacturers need to do these kind of tests to this extent, knowing that there's going to be a backlash from user communities. Um, if mm-hmm. you can perform a software up- update and turn that around in a week to fix this problem, you could have done that before you released the product. And it's just bad mm-hmm. business to do it otherwise. Yeah, all of this comes through testing. And um, unfortunately, a lot of stuff like this has made it through to consumers recently, where mm-hmm. especially with Apple, where I think Urban would know probably better than either one of us, him weighing in in previous episodes on his issues with the the update schedules with iOS and the quality of their software that they're releasing um, on newer hardware and newer software. It's just a little bit more buggy than what people are used to seeing through iOS and Apple and Mac OS. So it's, it's a little bit concerning, but um, at least they're committed to fixing it and looking into it. And at least it was a software issue primarily. Yeah. Um, so who who knew that you could uh, bundle a freezer into a software update? That's what I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to ship with a freezer. You get a brick of dry ice with your MacBook whenever you buy it. You open up the box and not only do you get that like crisp, packaging but you also get the the smoke that rolls out from the dry ice (laughs) (laughs) what an unveiling right yeah (laughs) i want to see that unboxing video (laughs) i would watch that unboxing video i I think we all would (laughs) um that's it like i said it it's good that they fixed it and um it's nice that we were able to follow up on something being resolved so quickly because this was in the span of a week. Yeah, it's nice when it's fresh on all the listeners' minds and ours as well when mm-hmm. we can come back. And it looks good on Apple too. You know, props yeah. to them for turning it around. Yeah, um, nice catch. That was yeah. a good article that we had added because I didn't even know what had happened to it until you popped this up last minute. So. Right. And uh, something else that our listeners might be interested in, um, the Senate is proposing sending out emergency alerts through services like Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify. Um, So emergency alerts typically will go out through things like your cell phone, um, maybe computers if you work within organizations that support that. But when you're watching Netflix or Hulu or if you're deep in a Spotify listening session, you may not be paying attention to those kind of alerts. It's looking like centers in Hawaii and South Dakota think it would be beneficial to have those come out through those services like Netflix and Spotify, amongst many others, um, and making change to the emergency alert system to do so. Um, this is something that I've been wondering for, like, this, this thought has definitely crossed my mind on one or two occasions where, you know, like, remember, like, way back when you're watching TV and um this is probably still true for people who have cable but i've since cut the cord over the last few years so i'm much less familiar with the regular cable tv experience but the tv would cut and you get that blue screen with the emergency broadcast tone that everybody knows and um like the like i always wondered how they would transition that into the 21st century whereas more and more people are moving to streaming services and it seems like this is the answer to that and yeah. I think that's it's a good thing overall. Um, I think making sure that people are aware of what's happening during emergency services, I think, is critical to safety. Mm-hmm. And with more people moving to these Netflix, Hulu, streaming boxes, stuff that doesn't exactly get tied in with like a coax cable where you can get these emergency broadcast signals, I think that's almost like critical, something that needs to happen like because i would like to know if there's like an impending meteor strike or if a volcano were to suddenly come out of the ground or like if there's just some major storm coming that could cause damage to whatever community i'm in yeah I, I think you know we've seen some disaster strike in hawaii recently with things like mm-hmm. this um hurricanes upon hurricanes upon hurricanes that are absolutely devastating and mm-hmm. The sooner you find out and have time to react to these things, the better. Um, I think the mixture of putting things like these in place and improving the emergency reaction um, in those in your community, the mixture of those two things can be highly beneficial with things like this. Yeah, and that's Um, a good thing. Um, It's it's interesting that you mentioned Hawaii, too, because they were recently in the news for false alarms for their emergency broadcast system. Yeah. So potentially incorporating this... Uh, newer system into something a little bit more modern 
could hopefully bring about an opportunity to modernize that kind of technology because this was a major problem in Hawaii because that technology was aging. Right. Because none of this emergency broadcast stuff has probably been touched since maybe when it was created a little while ago. So like it's good to see that um, people are trying to modernize safety. Yeah, and for, for anyone who may not know, I don't know if, I assume everyone knows about this at this point, but Hawaii received a false alert for an emergency of uh, emerging missile threat, which sent their um, the locals there into a panic, as you might suspect. Um, yeah. And that was a big deal. Uh, there are people hiding their kids in sewers to try and protect them and things of that nature, and it really got out of hand over a false alarm. Um, so that false alarm system would definitely be welcomed, I would think. Um, also, something to note is that users can, a lot of users on phones can currently disable the federal alerts for emergencies, which is something that this bill is also trying to get rid of. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have any reason to object to that notion either. I think that's yeah. a good idea. It's going to keep a lot of people safe. Yeah, it seems like they're going to try to build in a way to retract uh, alerts and state a little bit more transparently that they are false alarms. Mm -hmm. So that's another really good thing too so that would be a potential to prevent uh mass panic through false alerts um especially if this is a secure system which would be way more valuable because a lot of the infrastructure systems that we have aren't very secure they were made in like the 80s when the internet was still this like beautiful new innocent infant that hadn't turned into the like beast that it has become now <laughs> full of security issues that was back when people were like oh my god this works like we can talk with each other across <laughs> mass distances instantly this is crazy this is great the world's gonna be beautiful and then now we're in this world and, and the first troll systems... was born <laughs> <laughs> and this system has not been touched since then right back when the internet was still this beautiful unicorn yeah <laughs> Anyway, something to look at coming down the pipeline. I would think that this will probably get approved. So I'm sure that we're going to be hearing a lot more about this. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's reasonable. It's a it's a good idea. It's something that I think should have been done probably a couple of years ago, but at least it's getting its attention now because yeah. more and more people we keep reporting as we go through the years that more and more people are moving away from cable and more and more people are dropping or cutting the cord and moving to like Netflix and Hulu and stuff yeah. as these become, as these start to pick up better movies and become a little more uh, enticing. So it's good to see that the emergency services functionality is going to come with that. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you were saying about the internet as emerging technology and, oh my God, this works. We can, we can <laughs> do this. There's some other uh, technology that's doing similar things where it's, oh my gosh, we can do this. Uh, Matt, I know you're excited about this, a story from 23andMe. Do you want to take this one off? Yeah, yeah. So um, there is a new um, – we, we've reported on these DNA testing companies where you can get your uh, your ancestral roots and find out what um, genetic makeup you have. Like, There's no real way for me to describe that eloquently enough. But um, – they're going to be utilized by, at least through 23andMe, are going to be utilized by GlaxoSmithKline to design new drugs. Um, so they're going to be using the DNA results from 5 million customers. And it's going to be leveraging this increasingly popular home genetic testing market um, to help identify breakthroughs in medical science, which is great. Um, the most important thing that I need to preface this whole thing with is that it's consensual. So users sign up for this and they agree to have their data used. It's not like what we saw earlier where we reported that they were able to capture um, the, what was it, the Golden State Killer, I think, yes, yes. Through, through these related services. It's not something like that where they're just taking your data and selling it to Big Pharma. Um, they're actually volunteering themselves for research. So... Um, this is good because I think any, any kind of mass data brought to, um, research, I think is helpful, especially when you have the DNA results of 5 million people, you'll be able to aggregate the information that you have in a much more efficient way. Um, so it's, I'm just, most importantly, I'm really happy that it's like actually getting your consent for this. Because it would be a very different story if I had to tell you that they were pulling like 
a Facebook and just selling your stuff or something like that. So that's, um, what, that's, that's what, good. That's when you first shared this with me. That's what I initially was expecting to read, and I was kind of feeling like, oh, this is another red flag story for us to cover. <laughs> um, but yeah, having having consent like where you can opt in or opt out of this um, is definitely um, a nice thing to give the users of this service um, mm-hmm. and potentially allow them to help a lot of people. Um, you would hope, you know, pharma companies are going to do this responsibly and they're going to produce drugs with the intent of saving a lot of lives. That's really the goal here. And when you can specify that down to specific genome sequences, those drugs are likely to work a lot better than just kind of uh, generalized blanket treatments. Yep. And um, the one thing... um that I'm like, I, I keep going back to this just because I'm so happy that it's like really good is that it's, it, it looks like it's opt in by default, but there's a quick link in the email that they send you to let you know that you can opt out. Um, a lot of people might miss that email, but at least they provide you an easy way to opt out that's sent directly to you. Um, but it looks like um, they're going to, it, it looks like it's more of a donation, like it's not a trade. So they're not going to be exchanging this for rebates or for any kind of um any kind of service provided by 23andme it's more of just um finding like if you're like oh okay i want to donate my genetic information to research to better improve medical science then it's kind of like a greater good type thing i wonder how how far this is going to go in other directions too because this is between two specific services two companies you know you have a pharma company and uh, DNA slash like tech uh, application um, in 23andMe and I wonder if it's going to get to a point where you can like you can donate your plasma now or donate blood I wonder if they'll say hey you can donate your DNA for sequencing to help improve <laughs> pharmaceutical research um, maybe it could be coming down to fight that way too yeah and I mean it's a this this started off as a service where it's just like find out your family history or like find out what your genetic makeup really is, like where your ancestral background is and um, where you're from, et cetera. But like, it's, this is like a potential, especially as more people do this, because I've never seen it become this popular until maybe around the holidays. This was a really popular gift to get people. This was a popular like Father's Day, Mother's Day gift. Um, it's, and it was also heavily discounted on Prime Day as well, um, like the kit that you could purchase. Mm-hmm. So like, the fact that this is as popular as it is means that this industry is sitting on a potential gold mine of of medical data that can be used for curing bad like crazy bad diseases like i know the um the first project that this team is going to work on is possible new drugs for treating parkinson's disease which is an incredibly debilitating disease and something that has um would be it would it'd be great if it was cured like i know people who have who are, who are dealing with and have passed away from parkinson's disease yeah and that's like a great thing to target absolutely just as a quick start i mean anything is great but um it's good that it's there's actually going to play into those research so there because there was the, what they were saying was that a study released this past wednesday found that the gene may play a significant role in Parkinson's, even among patients who don't have mutations. So it seems like a lot of information can be gathered from gene uh, sequencing or the information of gene knowledge. I, I, I don't, I'm obviously not versed in <laughs> no, yeah. medical science. It's okay. Too. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm going to stick in my wheelhouse with tech news here. But um, <laughs> from a technology perspective, it's, it's good to see modern things being repurposed to help people and not harm people. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's a lot of potential for that in general in the tech space with um, the technology available, the computing power available, and just kind of intertwining um, like a symbiotic relationship between different fields, especially when it comes to saving lives. It is something I look forward to seeing the future of. Yeah. So. Yeah, and um, a closing statement of this article that they say is um, that the over 5 million customers that 23andMe has gained access to is many larger, oftentimes 10 times larger than some of the other databases out there that they have access to. Wow. So the fact that they have 
they've literally um, ten they like ten x their amount. Of, I'm trying to think of like the the term for ten x like deck. I don't know, <laughs> um, but they. I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. So it, I'm think we're gonna see a lot of exciting things you, come through from you, this. You could use the term tenfold. That tenfold. Be, that's yeah. What I was looking for. Thank you. Yep. No problem. Yeah, that's why it's a two-man show. And that's not a right. Show. I'm here for verbal support. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just here to get excited every once in a while. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, so speaking of getting excited, but not in a positive way, Walmart has partnered with Waymo to autonomously drive its customers to go and get their groceries. Um, this seems like much less of a partnership and much more of a shot in the dark for Walmart against an, a massively growing competitor, which is Amazon. Um, I'm, this is great too. Like if you had told me five years ago that Walmart would be like embarrassing itself, scrambling to compete with Amazon or somebody else, I would have laughed and said that Walmart was way too big. But Amazon is really giving Walmart a run for its money and they are desperate for anything to get a competitive edge back from Amazon. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other specific examples, but I've seen a lot of things where they're trying to partner with various services and companies to provide things that basically Amazon already can in my eyes. Well, yeah. Um, Prime Day, they touted free two-day shipping without any kind of, quote, commitment. Right. So they were just giving you free two-day shipping from their online store. There's discounts that come with that. They've partnered with Google. They've partnered with pretty much anybody really they're um, they're even exploring their own streaming service yeah <laughs> so yeah. they're they're really trying to enter that amazon market if you could even define that as just a single market um and like you were yeah. saying walmart like 10 15 years ago no one could touch walmart and now yeah. they're making all of these moves that come across as just desperate um mm -hmm. it makes me i mean they're it makes me wonder if they're just planning for the future and maybe the inevitable decline, or if that's what they're trying to do is just fight to stay where they are and to move towards an Amazon kind of level, or are they in trouble here? I, I don't know if they're in trouble because they have spent millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars on overhauling their online store, their shipping processes. Um, they have been making, they've been using all of their R&D money on just improving their services overall to make the online because their online store i don't know if you've ever used it but their online market is pretty nice now yeah compared to the experience you would get inside of an actual walmart was was that a partnership with uh microsoft azure is that right it could be yeah okay i don't think they would want to use aws <laughs> yeah probably not yeah um for anybody who's not aware aws is amazon's web hosting service but uh, i don't think they would want to be on amazon's turf trying to compete with Amazon, but it looks like they have a pretty solid deal with Microsoft and Google, especially with this article Waymo, Waymo being a Google company. Um, I think that um, they're kind of going all in on their support with the other big companies and trying to, to not go the way of like say Blockbuster or Circuit City, yeah, where they just kind of get swept under the rug of history and forgotten. But like uh, Walmart's got a lot of money. They as much as i make fun of them in this they are um one of the dominant markets in the united states it's less apparent when you live closer to a city but as you move more towards rural areas walmarts are typically like near the town center and there's like nothing else really in the area besides walmart um so, so there's they're still dominant but yeah. it's coming less they're trying to keep up with all the innovation amazon has i mean that what i was just talking about with uh working with the azure platform that is confirmed news um they're trying to partner uh microsoft and walmart are teaming up um to use the microsoft 365 and azure services uh, for things like machine learning and artificial intelligence and data platforms which will obviously benefit their their back end on in terms of tech um, they're also looking into having Microsoft develop uh, technology similar to what's being used in Amazon Go stores with the cashier-free stores. Um, mm -hmm. They're um, experimenting with attaching cameras to shopping carts for tracking items and maybe graduating into a place where they wouldn't need cashiers either. Mm -hmm. So just another way that 
Walmart's trying to stay innovative. They're trying to keep up with this technology and yeah. they're trying to fight Amazon. Yeah. But spe specifically to this technology, it's, it's interesting what they're trying to do. So uh, Waymo services take you from point A to point B, but they're trying to improve on that drastically. So mm -hmm. for example, in the article, they say, um, in Arizona's sunny high temperatures, nobody wants to carry grocery bags a block down the street. So they're working to give their vehicles the intelligence to get as close as possible to the exits, um, wherever the riders would want to go. And then it was saying that they're going to launch a test pilot. Um, they probably already have since done this. This is an article that was published earlier. Yeah. Uh, they say later this week, Walmart, which is probably right around now, will launch a test pilot that gives early riders savings on groceries each week when they are ordered on walmart.com. And while orders are being prepared at the store, Waymo vehicles will transport the rider to and from Walmart to collect their groceries. Wow. So it would, this is a potentially like game, like it's, like it's a life-changing service for older people who wanted to get their groceries because this enables them to get there without having to worrying about driving or dealing with any kind of conditions. They just get picked up by a self-driving car and driven to their groceries and they can just take it right home. I wonder what kind that. of uh, cost is associated with the service. Because yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of people who take public transportation to get to Walmart to do their shopping as well. And it's going to be a big game changer in that realm as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like this isn't just groceries that they're working on with this, too. They've announced partnerships with restaurants, hotels, um, the, uh, what is it, the car rental lots as well. Yeah. Um, so, for example, with the hotels, it'll become an integral part of the VIP experience for visitors in Phoenix. So Waymo and the Element Hotel and Chandler have teamed up to give select guests access to Waymo vehicles. For example, business travelers who need to commute from the office on their frequent stays and gives them the chance to experience a fully self-driving technology. So, um, And then for the restaurants, it, it'll drive people to the restaurants without having to worrying about parking in the parking lot, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it is a, like, when you look at it as it is as the service, it's a, it's a great idea and it's a good use for self-driving services mm -hmm. um but at that same mark um i kind of agree with what um was popping up in chat where they say that they should go ahead and like partner with instacart because instacart i think is going through some worries with amazon as they move to their prime now solution have you seen that pop up yeah where you can get prime now through um you can prime down Whole Foods to your house with like two hour delivery. Yeah. I think we were talking about subscriptions for that last week before the show. Yeah. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw if as prime now rolls out and becomes more widely used, I wouldn't be surprised if Walmart made an attempt to purchase Instacart. Um, if that's the case, then maybe Amazon tries to buy Instacart and then combines their infrastructure in with prime since it's already so well, combined already but i don't know maybe it's something that we'll see in the future i'm still waiting to see these drones deliver my packages mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that, that that's, i think is a ways off that's a good um, point though i mean um the point made in chat with instacart I, I, it doesn't really make sense why to double that trip to pick up the customer and then bring them back home with the goods instead of just bringing the goods to the house the only thing yeah. i can think of is maybe like a, a space constraint in the vehicle itself you can't make multiple stops with it, perhaps. Mm. Um, That's what leads me to think that it's like a desperate shot in the dark on their end. It's a little the bit... The fact that it's like, hey, get in this self-driving car and come to Walmart where yeah. you can hang out and get your groceries. I mean, it's just... like trying to get people to go to Walmart because it's... it lends to like me like they would need a more enticing way to do that because they're having trouble getting people to go to their stores now. It's definitely but... a selling point, too. It's something you would talk about after it happens. You would tell all yeah, your friends, I wonder... hey, bundled in those discounts is discounts for stuff through the rest of walmart like just another excuse to get people to once you're there it's like hey if you go inside there's discounts on tvs 15 percent off waymo drivers get yeah. on televisions and select electronics or something like that yeah look at look at that back seat there's plenty of room on the floor for a 4k tv <laughs> yeah the back seat <laughs> sensors aren't currently registering any weight you could fit a lot of stuff back there. Why yeah. don't you go in? We'll meet you by the other exit. <laughs> just, just go in and pick up some of your favorite like snacks and then stop by the electronics <laughs> and grab a video game. So when you go back home, you can hang out and have fun. 
from from back to kind of the point though about getting a customer in that car in general i feel like that's a, a level of liability too to put someone in a self-driving car with you know not that there's been an extreme amount of them but there have been incidents recently with self-driving cars doing not such great things um in terms mm -hmm. of accidents or going the wrong way or whatever it is um mm -hmm. i feel like there'd definitely be some kind of waiver that would have to be signed by a customer to get in that vehicle in the first place which might now those put that in the privacy policy yeah right when you hit agree you have to scroll all the way down and hit away. the checkbox or else you can't get your stuff <laughs> just signing away your legal rights to sue once that car yeah. gets into an accident or drives onto oncoming traffic also we own all rights to your name from now on yeah <laughs> yeah i i think it's this is definitely more of like a desperate shot in the dark for yeah. walmart um but than the, it is an actual service but because it doesn't make sense to drive people because we yeah, because like going back to what chad said when when we go and look at this when i looked at this article i was like wait why aren't they using waymo to bring groceries to the person's house right why aren't they like, what's i don't understand because that would be kind of cool if you were a walmart employee like throw a bunch of groceries into an empty van and it just drives away <laughs> it'd be, it'd be so weird <laughs> yeah, it would um, unless yeah. it'd be on its way to someone else's house to pick them up and take them to the store yeah that would be really weird though like you're driving down the street in phoenix and you look to your right and in the right lane is an empty van full of groceries driving itself to somebody's house <laughs> that would be so weird <laughs> that, it would indeed be very weird something yeah. we're gonna have to get used to seeing i think yeah I, i'm i'm excited for self-driving cars and any and really any partnership with self-driving car companies is just more reasons to get them on the road and get more data but um as for walmart i, I think this isn't the i don't think we've heard the last of their deals yeah. with various companies and i'm pretty sure because you can already order um things through your google home on walmart um and have them picked up much in the same way you can order through your amazon device and have things delivered through amazon yeah so like hmm. I, said, I don't think this is the last time we're gonna see walmart making deals yeah well you know alphabet company right tied into google so that's right yeah. yeah one company though that i think we're gonna start seeing more issues with is facebook oh um, wow why, why would you say that we've never been talking well, about them let me tell you one thing um i think facebook has hit max capacity mm. um so it looks like they can't get any more users so it, like their stock looks like it's in a bit of a free fall right now. Um, and we have several articles to discuss this point um, just because this is probably the biggest thing that happened this past week. Um, overnight, their stock dropped by $123 billion. Mark Zuckerberg himself lost $15 billion in value. And investors are quickly losing faith in the growth potential for Facebook. Um, so just, just a quick preface. We did talk about Facebook's growth last year when we mentioned that they had recently hit 2 billion active users. Um, and when you think about it, 2 billion active users is in itself um, a little under one-third of the world's population. It is arguably most of probably Western society um, among other countries like India, China, and like some of the larger Asian countries I'm assuming have a, have a pretty big impact on that. But then when you look elsewhere, um, you have people who don't have access to internet or don't have access to stable enough internet for active use. You have people who refuse to use Facebook service. And then also on top of that, um, you have people who are under 13, so people who physically can't use the service. And I'm assuming that population is larger than the population that's on Facebook currently. Yeah. And I think as a result, Facebook doesn't really have anywhere to go right now. No one's, no one else can really sign up. So they missed their projected earnings, and now they're just kind of plateauing in users. So their stocks are beginning to reflect that. Investors like growth, and if you can't grow anymore, then there's no faith in your ability to continue earning revenue at a 
or to increase revenue. Yeah, I think so. in recent past, the things they've done to kind of try and avoid that is to provide new services and applications within Facebook to make them more robust as a suite, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, they've really slowed down in doing that. Uh, I know they've acquired various companies like Instagram and they've been doing a lot of work there, but Facebook itself just really has kind of lost its shine. Um, and with all the negative press coming out about Zuckerberg himself and Facebook as a company, what's being done with data, I just feel like the public opinion has just shifted so dramatically in the past year. It's not really surprising to see this. I think it was inevitable more than anything. Yeah. No, and and I, th I think we could have both met, like thought of at the time that the growth they were experiencing at the time we last reported their growth was not sustainable for a long period of time. Right. It was record growth for a company that's already massive. Yeah. And um, just to quickly throw some statistics behind it, like this has nothing to do with like the Cambridge Analytica scandal. This has nothing to do with that. In fact, their numbers were good during those scandals. <laughs> um, but um, it, they, they're still doing great, but their stock dropped by almost 24%, which is a huge drop in any market for any company. Um, but just to throw some statistics behind this, um, their core network has been flat in the US and Canada for four straight quarters. Um, they expect 1.48 billion worldwide daily users um, based on a Bloomberg average, but they delivered 1.47 billion daily active users. Their projections expected to be 13.3 billion, but it was 13.2. And average revenue per user turned out to be 595 instead of 597, which is what the Wall Street wanted. So they missed all their marks in in their projections. By small margins, you know, yeah. to be said, even though, you know, that does equate to tens of millions of dollars, but they're missing those marks and it's just showing yeah. that they're not moving forward. They're actually regressing. Yeah, I think it's something that um, they had been growing so rapidly around the world for such a long period of time that the now, now that the first time ever that they have missed their mark that's a sign of a greater change in the business as they realize that this is their core users and when they start reporting user numbers in the billions you're like okay you're eventually going to run out of people who can physically get to your service right which i if you had told me that like five years ago that we have a company that has such wide reach that they're having issues getting more humans to sign up for their service because the rest of the humans are either too young or are physically incapable or just don't want the service. Like that's mind blowing that like double the population of China is an active user on Facebook. Yeah. Like it's as if all of China and all of India were Facebook users, which is mind blowing. It is. And just to think of the sheer number of users and I would love to see that server farm. Oh my god. Server farm. Be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have these games like PUBG and stuff that have hard times keeping users connected to their games. But then you have right. Facebook who's just casually connecting a third of the entire planet right. on their service. Albeit it's a lot less rendering and things of that nature, but still a ton of ton of ton of data and yeah. you know a lot of calculations going on too based mm -hmm. on locations and who your network involves. Lots yeah. of work there. It's just it's nuts to think that and um i don't know where facebook goes did they start to roll out like a business suite kind of like how google has done with g suite and amazon has done or like do is this facebook beginning is this the beginning of the end for facebook like does the plateau turn into a peak and then they start going down from there or like where where does this go from here because i don't i don't think we can like accurately predict that because this is a company that's bigger than any company that we've ever seen yeah well the the author of this article that you have on the screen uh rhett jones um this is a gizmodo article thanks and i quote for his last you know paragraph in this article facebook stock might go through a rough point for a little bit and other investors will step in to pick it up cheap it will never die it will only grow stronger and while apple is focused on being the first company to be worth one trillion dollars Facebook is focused on being the first company to sell every human on the planet as its product. That's nuts. Yeah. 
You have Apple, which is like a revenue giant. Definitely. And you have Facebook, which is a human data giant. And then you have Amazon, which is looking to have a stake in every economic transaction that occurs on the yeah. face of the earth. Basically become the new yeah. like like financial institution of the world. Can you imagine like do you remember the like in the last season of Parks and Rec how like the world was owned by like a combination of like Starbucks and like Amazon and stuff like that. Like there was like some like weird conglomerate company yeah. where there was just five companies left because they had bought everybody else. <laughs> like that it was meant as a joke, but it's becoming more and more of a reality as these companies just consume each other and grow to sizes that we've never seen before. The air you consume in your house today is brought to you by Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon Air. <laughs> That's that would like it's scary, but like the fact that it's true yeah. and becoming more true is frightening. We have like three or four companies that are well on their way to being trillion dollar industries yeah, on their like, own. I feel like we're just kind is... of ignoring, well not ignoring, but largely ignoring the power this gives these companies for the services they're providing because they're things that everybody seems to want. I like them, you like them, a lot of other people I know like them, but these companies are getting huge and so powerful and like almost to the point where no one can tell them no. Other than like Facebook here has been told no, but with Amazon, if they're not making similar missteps with like user privacy and data, I don't really see them getting in trouble unless they're running sweatshops. I mean, yeah, I know we've yeah. talked about how there's some poor working conditions and fear of oh, getting fired. Yeah, they but, are running sweatshops. And but like, and I guess until the public notices and cares enough to hold it against them forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know like if they can. I don't even know if they could do that. Like, I, I feel like these companies have outgrown the ability to be swayed by large movements yeah. because Facebook can have. Facebook can have 20 million people protesting it, and that's not even like a tenth of their user base. Yeah. Which is nuts. It's insane. You can have the population of like sections of several continents protesting, and they're fine. You know, not, it's not enough to sway any results. Knock on wood for Netflix, but I haven't heard any really bad press about them as a big service that a lot of people use. So it seems like they're doing okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they were recently kind of like hesitant for net neutrality and made some deals with comcast but yeah. i don't know if i can call that bad i think that's just business it's not like dirty yeah it's, yeah and i don't know um netflix is still chilling so <laughs> we haven't heard anything unless unless an emergency alert comes up then they'll be not chilling yeah then they'll yeah. be panicking um but i think um i don't know like i, I think it's going to be interesting to see where facebook goes from this um more more particularly mark zuckerberg himself where he goes with this as well just because he um they made history with the biggest one day wipeout of stock market value for any u.s company ever and mark zuckerberg also was a part of that hit where he his personal wealth dropped by more than 15 billion dollars in a single day so he went from number four i think to number six of the Forbes list of the world's billionaires. So he dropped out of the top five um, as a result of this, which is nuts <laughs> that he lost that much value. He's just behind Amazon's CEO, Jeff Bezos. He's behind Bill Gates. He's behind uh, Bernard Arnault, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, and Amancio Ortega. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, um, those last two kind of... Uh leapfrogged him after this yeah so mm -hmm. um it makes me wonder though because you know having issues with his policy his actions what have you is a little harder to remove him as ceo over but when you see financial losses and projected marks being missed that's where i could see his space as ceo starting to get really threatened um yeah i'm not sure if this figure is 100 percent accurate but i think he he owns a good amount of Facebook, but not enough to make all the calls here. So he could be forced out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've been like touting with the idea of him potentially being driven out for a good while now. Um, this could be a push in that direction. Like they need to be profitable. They need to show that they're changing. What do they do? Uh, a change at the top. Maybe that is what Facebook needs in order to come back into relevancy. I don't know 
what that's going to do for Zuckerberg. I don't know. Maybe it's being proposed to him right now because I don't think losing a quarter of your company's value, almost a quarter of your company's value is good in any way whatsoever. Um, but like the fact that, uh, and, and chat was talking about this a second ago, they're saying that just like imagine losing $15 billion in one day and like not even being a big deal to yeah. you, but it's a big deal in terms of this because it's the biggest one day wipeout yeah. of value ever. But it's 15 like, billion like is barely just like he probably finds that on the ground in it's his like, house it's like the zuckerberg equivalent of like spilling some coffee on your shirt she's like oh my day is ruined but it'll be fine <laughs> yeah he's like it's like can you imagine you're like hanging out at mark zuckerberg's house and you're like sitting on his couch and you're like what's this lump and you're like oh it's 95 million dollars oh my god <laughs> it's like i get and this... zuckerberg's like oh that's for that one that was my yeah. lunch money for today no this fire was getting weak <laughs> <laughs> To go, I gotta uh, stoke the flames like instead of a log pile outside of a money pile. But I, I do want to jump back into that percentage of ownership. I'm I'm really not sure how much he owns of the company, but I think it might be the majority control of the company. I'm not sure if yeah. you know that, Matt. I think he has majority control. Um, yeah, I'm not sure though. I'd have to like look that up. Um, I don't know. Like, if you want to go on with that, I can look it up. Sure. Um, so basically. Facebook's taking a dark turn. Um, I have, I have another twenty nine point three percent. Twenty nine point three, and that's a no, recent that's article. A, that's in February twenty thirteen. Yeah, but, I, I think I saw but, one that said sixty as of recently, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. He may be around. I think he may be around twenty four, which is, if that's the case, it's still majority shareholder of yeah. the company. Um, but I think that. Um, he has sixty percent voting rights in the company. That's what I was looking at. Okay. Yeah. So. So he's. He, he could still save his own skin large. if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, but I think he could have a lot of uh, angry folks on that board if he decided to do so. If he keeps slipping up, um, yeah. maybe making pushes to sell or something of that nature. Though, who the heck has enough money to buy Facebook? Nobody. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> so maybe Apple. Mm, yeah, but. <laughs> Oh man, that would be interesting. Can you imagine if Amazon bought Facebook? Yeah, <laughs> Facebook Prime bundled in. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they go. Um, his, they say that his, oh my God, his Zucker, his comp, his compensation at Facebook is around thirty-seven times higher than the average Facebook employee. Which, if I look at that, um. Their median pay for Facebook workers tops two hundred and forty thousand dollars, just as a frame of reference. Just a, a lot little, of money. Just a little bit of coin. Yeah, you could spend some so time in an arcade with that money. Yeah, if the average <laughs> Facebook developer makes around two hundred and forty thousand dollars, and Zuckerberg makes thirty-seven times that amount, that's some that's, that's some big numbers. Definitely. But, so that ninety-seven million dollar joke we have is probably fairly accurate. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's something that I think that we're gonna have to wait and see on. But I don't know. I don't know if he steps down or not. I don't know how they go back from this. I don't know how Facebook rebounds. Um, but when you have your company losing 123 billion dollars in value, I don't think it's a good look for yeah. either you or your company. And that is indicative of a change that needs to happen. Yeah. So we'll see what change that is. We'll see what kind of, you know, they're at the drawing table right now saying, all right, what are we going to do? We got to fix this. So yeah. they're going to be making some big moves probably pretty quickly to try and catch our eyes and keep our interest and regain some users they may have lost. So. Can you imagine being somebody who invested in Facebook on July 25th where they were valued at $217.50? And you're like, yeah, Facebook, it's a big company. It's a safe it's a safe stock, and then you wake up and it's one hundred and seventy four eighty nine. You've lost like fifty dollars on every share you owned. Yeah, overnight, literally overnight. Like yeah. it, it closed and then opened, like not almost twenty percent lower than yeah. where it was. Just, just terrible. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't want to imagine that. Yeah. Um, although I have seen some other stocks do similar things for short periods of times. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, this is like numbers you'd expect to see for like a cryptocurrency, not, yeah. not a stock. Right, exactly. Yeah, but they um, they were worth $629.6 billion 
as of the 25th. But the day after, they were worth 506.2. So they're almost below half a bill, half of a trillion, which is a substantial loss yeah. for a company that's trying to... It's part of a bigger race to be the first company to break one trillion. Yeah. So Not looking good for them. No, it's not. But, uh, and the fact that this has nothing to do with this, the election scandals and the data <laughs> abuse and like all this is completely mind-blowing. It is. It's uh, just purely because they can't grow anymore. Uh, but And also the GDPR. Yes. The fact yeah. that they can't collect as much ad revenue off of you anymore. Which could be a direct correlation between those numbers. But... Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Time's gonna tell. Um, yeah. Snap isn't dead yet, so fa there's hope for Facebook. So, if you guys haven't guessed yet, we're probably gonna be coming back to Facebook a few more episodes, <laughs> just a couple more times. Yeah, it's uh, Facebook's like a, a pretty cool piece of tech news nowadays, yeah. right? We'll have relevant. You'll have an audio and video archive of the history of Facebook all through us. So yeah. Yeah, we'll have a collection of all the times we said Facebook. Yeah, we could play uh, in sequence. We could play Graduation by Vitamin C in the background of a montage <laughs> and all just said one single tear. Yes. Anyway, with that, I uh, I think that's all we have for the Facebook articles this week. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you can only beat the horse so much. <laughs> so Yeah. It, it's pretty dead now. So I don't know. I think... Like I said, time will tell on yeah. where Facebook goes, and we'll be right here to report it. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, but I was going to ask you a question, though. Um, I'm here. Just unrelated to the stuff. So smartphones, mm -hmm. just to quickly change topics. Um, we just saw a couple of videos come out over the past week. Of Did you see the new Asus phone, the ROG phone? Nope, I did not. So Asus made a gaming phone to compete with the Razer phone. Um, it's the Repub it's a Repub it's a Republic of Gamers smartphone. Um, I'll try to pull up. Um, I'm pulling up some the, stuff here. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up for chat so you guys can see a picture of it. Um, it was reported by a lot of YouTubers. Um, here's the phone. Uh, let me check out this website. Yes, I accept cookies. This phone. So yep. it's pretty. Looking at this one um, right now. It's, and by pretty, I mean it's pretty gamer-esque. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious to think of your, to hear your thoughts on phones that are like purpose-built for being really good at one thing versus uh, phones that try to collect this huge list of features and then fall short in one critical component where like in this case you get a gaming phone, which is like this thing is filled with specs it's got the um snapdragon 845 it's got eight gigs of ram it's got two extra usb-c ports on the side so that way you can hook in attachments and controllers and you can even have a charging port on the side so it doesn't get in the way of your hand when you're gaming you can it has squeeze functionality you can like map the controls to the top functionality like the top parts of the phone to make it emulate like uh direct like left and right triggers like it's it's just filled with features it seems really cool um yeah for but like and it's also got a cpu cooler built into it i saw that yeah what did it say vapor cooling yeah um, vapor cooling and it's it had, got a looks like got a heat sink built looks into like it. it has pretty great graphics mm. on screen too high video quality a high refresh rate yeah it's got um, a 90 hertz refresh rate yeah so it looks. I mean, it looks really cool. I like generally the idea of um, building phones that are catered to a certain use, especially for people like maybe professional gamers on app, like mobile applications. Yeah. Um, I do think a lot of them use emulators on computers, but maybe this would change that in some way. Um, it yeah, also this could, phone can has enough CPU power to stream directly to Twitch while you game. That's pretty fantastic. And play. You can show your face through the front-facing camera while you play. Also, do you think this um, is a jab at things like Nintendo Switch? Yeah, maybe. And just as technology becomes, like as these um, ARM chips become more powerful, and as we can fit more powerful compute power into smaller form factors, I think this is just the beginning of it. But like, 
um what do you think of like the prospect of say maybe like a like a photography camera or like a like a camera dedicated or a phone dedicated for social media or a phone dedicated for um like just being built to be rugged and act those samsung um active phones that yeah. come out like i, th I think um, we're starting to see the the budding and development of a lot of those already um like you're talking about um with a camera phone i know i've seen some with uh lens attachments that you can put onto them to make them basically like a very nice uh digital camera on your phone i think that would be extremely popular um right i when, when it comes to things like like social media i think maybe a lot of phones are already catered to run those pretty well and when you have um computer hardware with like a, a decent cpu and some um you know a good amount of memory and hard drive space in there that's not an issue for those mobile browsing as long as you have a decent network card in there you're fine um so with those kind of things i don't know how catered those need to be like a special phone to do either of those but for things yeah. like uh, gaming and um, maybe f like not only taking photos, but maybe editing and processing photos as well, I could definitely see there being a market for that. Um, it's almost like the, f the functionality of making phone calls and sending messages has become secondary <laughs> to what, what else the phone can do these days. Um, I know texting happens a lot, but when you have services like Instagram and Facebook Messenger, you know, your various chat platforms you're not really relying on SMS. You don't really make that many phone calls. Um, yeah. I think that's the direction things are generally moving. Obviously, mm. I think no one wants to get rid of the ability to make a phone call. That's not what I'm saying, but... Yeah, because it seems like we've hit peak smartphone in a way. Yeah. Where, like, we've hit the... We're getting towards the upper limit of what a multi-purpose phone can do. So I, I would think that... And then when I saw this phone get announced like that people are starting to take gaming phones a little more seriously. The Razer phone was pretty well received by reviewers. And now this phone is being announced. Um, this phone even has RGB in it. Just on a side note, on yeah. the, just on the back, the logo will glow RGB. So it'll connect through um, the aura sync to your computer. So it'll match your RGB desktop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that twin view dock. Are you looking at that too? Yeah. Second I have that screen. up on the Twitch stream right yeah. now. And uh, it's, um, it's like more desktop real estate. Like the fact that it will connect in with the gaming experience a little more seamlessly, just kind of, it got my mind going on like, okay, what else can smartphones do? Like seeing one dedicated to photography, like we've seen attachments for, I don't know if you remember that phone, the, um, I can't remember the name of it. The one that it was like the moto phone where it had the attachments on the moto mods that yeah. would clip on like the projector, yeah. um, the battery back. Um, those ones like that kind of, like a phone where the whole back of it is just a DSLR or like a phone or like a point and shoot or something like that. Or, um, Chad was saying a crypto mining phone, um, <laughs> just like any number of ideas and designs where they just not, not try to check as many boxes as possible, but check one box in like such a good way that this becomes a viable option for, I yeah, I um, think, Proof of, proof of concept will lead it there. If they make a phone that can do something like that and it works and people bite on that idea, I think that opens up many future opportunities to produce better and better versions of that phone and engage that market and grow that market. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> one thing I did want to say, and I see in chat here is too, is it, it's a cool idea, but you don't see mobile games needing something that powerful. So what I'm wondering yeah. is, are they going to, maybe have cloud gaming that involves these phones? Are they going to have something where you download it to your phone's internal memory and play it that way? Is it going to sync up with an external system maybe? Like you could use this to control um, another manufacturer's gaming device. Could you imagine if you could like play your Xbox games on this thing? or you know? Potentially, because especially now that Steam has added the Steam Link yeah, application. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Um, I could see this being used for that, but um, also as a way to contrast the idea of why would you ever need a gaming phone this powerful would be, um, like I was saying earlier, the ability to stream to Twitch while you play, especially with like Fortnite coming over to mobile devices as well, mm -hmm. and Twitch streaming around that being massively popular. I don't know, even on Twitch itself, I don't know if you've seen like just how many active streamers there are under Fortnite <laughs> at any given time. That's ridiculous. And, um, the fact that this also has 
a six inch 18 by nine AMOLED display with a 90 Hertz refresh rate, which is the first time I've ever seen a phone with that high of a refresh rate in an AMOLED display. Yeah. And then not only that, but it also has a chip that supports HDR. Like if you can fully utilize that with the Steam Link, you could play some like AAA titles anywhere in your house with this phone. And the fact that it has three Type-C ports, like it's literally becoming a gaming laptop. It, it pretty much point. is, yeah. And it's, hey, your favorite form factor, thin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. And the fact that, well, this, the only difference between this one and the MacBook is this comes with an attachable CPU fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Burn, I think pun intended. Six literal burn on Apple. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> Things are heating up between ROG and Apple. Um, but yeah, it's it's also got dual front facing stereo speakers. It's got headphone it has a headphone support. Um it has it weighs two hundred grams, which is heavy. That is like a brick. And it has um a dual twelve megapixel, eight megapixel wide angle camera on the back yeah so it's like checking a lot of boxes but at the same time it's like you can tell where its focus is for sure and, and i think when you focus on gaming like that tends to it tends to bump up a lot of other features maybe not the camera so much but like i'm not expecting this to be a pixel in terms of camera performance right good enough for someone who wants it for streaming or what have you yeah yeah good enough to see your face for the front camera or good enough for like a quick point and shoot because people take pictures on snapchat and instagram all the time right stuff like that but yeah i, I, I just wanted to kind of gauge your thoughts on this because no, yeah. it seems to be like an emerging market that I, we're going into i like it i i'm not sure how it will fare how, based on how big that need is for it yeah. um i don't know because i haven't really seen PUBG streamers from their phones because i don't know if that even exists right now um yeah. but i could definitely see that taking off with that game and with other uses as well so yeah no it's it, i mean it's not something that's in our normal show recycle but it's just like a potential direction that technology could go in terms of mobile gaming that we haven't really had the power to do until now yeah so like it's, we don't know what it's capable of because we've never gotten to this point before so yeah. it's, it could just be a matter of just waiting and finding out what exactly this technology is capable of i can't wait to see yeah yeah that's just uh just a little different yeah something thanks. different for your sunday afternoon yeah thanks for bringing that up i'm definitely yeah. gonna take an interest in that here yeah um and for anybody who does want to see it um the youtuber mkbhd who i don't think really needs any kind of an introduction he did a pretty good video on it where they sent him like an early review unit for him to try out so um i can post a video of that onto our twitter page um if you guys wanted to check that out but um, but yeah, so I think with that, unless you have anything else you'd like to bring up, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, I'm all set. Um, enjoyed our conversations this week, Matt. Yeah, it was good. Um, and as for you listeners, if you guys enjoyed our topics for today, uh, you can check us out um, either live on Twitch or after the fact in a recording format via Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify now and many other podcatching platforms um I th i'm pretty sure we're available anywhere um you can find us on most of those platforms at either industry 4.0 or i industry 4.0 all spelled out um if you want to catch us catch up with us on social media i've been a little more active on twitter recently uh so follow us on twitter at industry 4.0 all spelled out for those of you in the stream it's above um and it's the same username for instagram and facebook as well um, and we, we try to keep semi-active discussions and post show times and when we're going live on as many of those platforms as we can. Um, but yeah, so if you want to join us and discuss with us about what could be talked about in the week or so, then come and talk to us on any of those platforms. We'd love to have a conversation. Yeah, and um, just real quick as well, I just want to thank our viewers and, and our listeners and our viewers. Um, we're in the upwards of the high 100 downloads every week. And as those episodes sit out there as, uh, you know, our history of episodes, we're seeing episodes get above 250, even 300 downloads. And we could not be more appreciative of our listeners. We're growing and it's, it's all really because of you guys. So you guys are watching us grow and we are more than happy to deliver tech news to people who are interested in hearing it. 
And that's um, the truth. <laughs> yeah. That being said, also, if you like what you're hearing, um, you can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, and we would give you a shout out on the show live on Twitch, live from New York. Um, and if you want, um, feel free to do that, like I was saying. Um, but yeah, so definitely give us a look and thanks for listening, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. Um, yeah. This has been episode 61. 